Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. I am concerned about the strength of the dollar, the devaluation, and wonder if you have any advice as to how to hedge for that. And provides unbiased answers. I feel your concern. When you look at the dollar value, it's in relation to other types of currencies. Invest Talk, over 29 million downloads and counting. Hey, my name's Heather. I'm from Portland, and I have a question about paying on a loan. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 11th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk, and I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. And I'm going to do my best on this program and podcast to help guide you with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And our goal here is to educate you, to guide you, to inform you of the ways to make good financial and investment decisions. And they go hand in hand, right? It's not just about investing, but also having good money habits, which is something we're going to talk about today. But when I go throughout the show, we are going to be driven by that mission statement. Like I said, independent thinking and shared success, which means I'm going to present all of my analysis of the market, the economy, stocks, etc., without bias. And I'm just going to give you the facts as I see them that I have in front of me. Obviously, I have a lot of data in front of me uh, to look things up and using my experience and hopefully impart that experience on you to make better investment decisions, right? There's always pros and cons to everything, and that's what I'm here to help you work through. What are those pros and cons so you can make an informed decision? That's what's important. It's making an informed, unemotional decision, right? But investing is, successful investing is that, right? Making informed decisions, putting the odds in your favor. So that's what I'm here to help you do. Now I'm Justin Klein, and of course I encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. You get to shape the show to your liking when you do that. And in fact, you can call right now during this live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question anytime in our Invest Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening after hours, that number never changes. So let's get right to our first caller now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey Steve, great show, love it, and appreciate all that you do for us. I'm trying to find out if there's any truth to something that I've heard, and um, I'll try to explain it as an example. If I had 10 shares of Apple for a year, and in a year and a half I add another share, and let's say now I have 11 shares, are the 10 original shares still long-term gains? I had also heard that once you add to your position, that timing starts over. So just interested in understanding how that works. Appreciate it, and thanks again. 
I'm not sure who told you that, but that is definitely incorrect. Now, you do need to specify for your broker when you do sell the position, which shares you want to sell, right? And, and oftentimes there are settings within your brokerage account that will say either FF, sorry, first FIFO, first in, first out, or LIFO, last in, first out. And so say you go and you have 11 shares, like you said, 10 you bought over a year ago, one you might have bought a few months ago. And you want to sell, say, five shares of Apple. Well, if your brokerage account is set up as first in, first out, that means that those it's going to sell the first five shares that you purchased. Okay, So that sale will be long-term capital gains because it will be selling the original allotment of 10 shares, it'll be selling half of those, right? Now, if it's set up as last in, first out, it'll be the opposite. You'll be selling one share that you just recently purchased and four shares that you originally purchased at the start. So that one share will be taxed at short-term capital gains rate, and you'll be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. And the four shares, that will be long-term. So, no. Just because you bought more shares, it does not in any way reset your purchase date on the shares. They're separate lots in your account with separate purchase prices, separate cost bases, and separate dates, like I said. So whoever told you that is definitely incorrect. Uh, but you do need to think about that if you're trading in a taxable account, which lots you sell, and you need to inform your broker which ones you intend to sell, and usually that's settings within your brokerage account. Hope that helped. Now, I know you want strategies to succeed in this market, this uncertain market with so many crosswinds of you know, economic damage from COVID, uh, the potential unwinding of stimulus in the future, like I talked about yesterday with mortgage forbearance. But then you have the positive crosswinds of stimulus, at least in the near term. And what would that do to inflation and the dollar? All those things are going to play into the economy of the next two, three years, and thus the market of the next two, three years as well. And I'm here to help you navigate it all. So I'm taking your calls at 888-99-CHART. Love to hear from you. Now let's look at the market today. We have a modest update, up 6.5 points on the S&P. If you look at the NYSE, that was up 23 points, about 0.2%-ish uh, on that index. Nothing... Nothing to write home about. Really a, a narrow few days so far this week. Uh, we know we came into the week pretty overbought. We had an up Monday and really a choppy last few days. And the momentum of the market is certainly waning, but that could just mean another, you know, a modest one, two, three percent pullback. Or it could just mean more chop sideways until we build more momentum to go higher. So not a whole lot to really report. Uh, not much has changed over the past uh, week or so. Now, the 10-year did tick up today, 
1.8%. That was the but second or third highest closing print on the 10-year. That's the one that continues to march up even stronger than the overall market. Uh, so that's something that I'm watching is does it break out in earnest or was it uh, just a modest uh, just a modest rally uh, that continues. And as long as it stays kind of stair-stepping and modest, I don't think the market will freak out until much higher rates. Now, in the commodity space, you had gold and silver uh, down a bit. And what was interesting is you had the pot stocks. Uh, they were flying the last week or so, and you had some big, big reversals in those names. So the Wall Street bet squeeze or momentum, uh, certainly waning for the likes of GameStop, etc. So very interesting to see what's going to happen in that space. But I do think cannabis is a good buy longer term on a pullback. If you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. We're now working our way through the second trading week of February and our your financial goal of financial freedom will require pertinent information and effective strategies. And we should talk about whatever is on your mind. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Paul in Hawaii. He's looking at FRX. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Justin. So Beachbody recently announced a merger. So Beachbody is P90X, Insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been around for uh, 10 plus years. They announced a three-way merger. With them, the um, the SPAC, and then also a fitness, another fitness company. So the total uh, evaluation for the company is just over two billion dollars. With the SPAC currently at twelve dollars, how do you put a price or justification on a SPAC when it's merging with a business that's been around? for a long time the way Beachbody has? Well, you have to look at the combined entity, what the value is, and it's going to be close to about $3 billion. Interesting enough, I I was discussing with a close friend who is a leader uh, in this space, and uh, this is just a few days ago, uh, and he was pretty shocked at the the valuation number that they're putting on this name. Beachbody had around $880 million in revenue for 2020, uh, but they didn't make a whole lot of money from what I remember. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Myex had $30 million in revenue in the first year of operation, which is part of this kind of roll-up. It's a combination of multiple uh, fitness companies within the space. Now, they do have a pretty big pipe, which is a public investment in a public entity. So what this is is Fidelity, uh, in this case, and, and Fertitta Capital. They are buying that much in shares, and they're going to be tight holders of it. That's kind of what it is. So that's less money out there, less shares out there in the float, and that typically can create some sort of uh, of a squeeze. Now, 
from an investment standpoint, I do think $3 billion valuation for this name is a bit expensive. Uh, but a lot of these SPACs are not designed for a good long-term value. It's more about the structure that will limit the float that's out there uh, and potentially create kind of a, a squeeze higher as people are just trying to gain exposure to a company like this that has uh, little shares outstanding. And so that is kind of what I'm seeing here with this name. And, you know, which means it could go higher, right? It's already gone from uh, a little under $11 a share on Tuesday, and now we're at $12. So the market's liking it, and certainly there's a possibility for this to kind of get squeezed higher with the, the lack of float. Um, so really what you're playing here, it's not this is a great valuation or a great company longer term. This would be more of just trying to play the SPAC space and that limited float, which certainly will get bigger over time, but at least in the near term will likely be limited. Thanks for the call, Paul. That was Forest Road Acquisition Corp. You know, the SPAC space is interesting right now because the SPACs are complex. They're very, there's different parts, there's warrants, there's called, something called the promote, uh, the, the, the ownership structure that is in place is very different between different SPACs. And the amount that they're paying for the underlying businesses that they're buying uh, can be sometimes too much, sometimes can be too little, uh, and you could have opportunity. Uh, so it's one of those places where this is not straightforward. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the average person that doesn't understand the complexities of the entire deal. It's for really the professional that can read the, the, the specifics of the warrants, that understands what the promote is and how much these sponsors are making when they're making these acquisitions and bringing them to market. I think the average promote earns something like 900%, something ridiculous. So clearly it's very advantageous for them to take these companies public, find an acquisition target, and turn them into a normal traded company. You know, once they're publicly traded and, and they are, the, the acquisition is complete, it's gonna look and feel like your average company, but the ownership structure is often complex. And so uh, if you're investing a SPAC, make sure you understand it because more often than not, the ownership structure is going to be advantageous to insiders as well as those that originally took the, the SPAC public. If you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. And that's what I'm here to help you do, to stay vigilant, stay on top of what's happening uh, in the market and in different asset classes and in the economy. So naturally, you will have finance and investment questions that I can help answer. So your participation is an important part of the mix and we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line, 
888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns the story what it might be like or why it might be a mistake, excuse me, to file your 2020 taxes. Now, the government is going to determine whether or not to give your stimulus check based on your adjusted gross income either in 2019 or 2020. So we're going to look at that in more detail and what that might mean for you. Also, financial habits. I want to break down a little bit what makes a sustainable financial habit. Right? It's not about your standard mantras of save or spend less than you make, etc. It's about setting yourself up to succeed. And I'm going to break down how to do that. Next, we know inflation is likely moving higher. It already is moving higher, and it could break out above the Fed's 2% target. Uh, but the question is, how long will it break out? That's just as important as how high it might get. And then lastly, if we can't have time, IRA strategies for 2021, how they might change in the new year. So that's what's on my mind, but ultimately I want to hear from you. So let's pick up another caller question. Now, as you probably know, if you call between 4 and 5 Pacific time, you can take, or we can take your questions live. That allows us to interact a little bit, or you can call our 24-hour listener line. You can record your finance or investment question directly into the voice bank. We'll answer it on a later show at 888 chart Hi, this is Jake from Salt Lake City. I just had a question about Armada Hoffler Properties. It's a company that I own that I really like. I got them after kind of everything, you know, crashed in uh, April, May. Seems like they're a good retail a REIT company that is more uh, like grocery anchored tenants. And they have a good dividend, great management. I really like them. I just wanted to see what your take on them was. Love the show. Uh, look forward to hearing your response on the uh, podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right. This looks like a REIT that's fairly diversified. It's focused in the mid-Atlantic and southeastern parts of the U.S. And I actually like that area. I think the, the gateway areas of the United States are going to attract more people uh, because it's just easier to work remotely. And I think that is, while it will backtrack some once COVID is fully behind us, I think there will be a certain percentage of workers that are fine with uh, or like to work remotely and thus would be able to move to cheaper parts of the country like Mid-Atlantic in the Southeast, for example. Now, this company has multiple types of real estate properties, office, retail, multifamily, residential, and they, they have other types of real estate services as well. And I like that diversity. I will say that. Now, the biggest issue here is that they do have a decent amount of debt. Uh, and if you dig into their recent earnings, you will see that the first three quarters or last three quarters of 2020 were pretty rough down earnings were down 3% or sorry funds from operations down 3% in the third quarter sorry second quarter 20% in the third quarter and 17% in the fourth quarter now that should not be a shock right covid ravaged the real estate sector as a whole and that you shouldn't be shouldn't be shocked by that now yields about 5% what i'm worried about though is that earnings in 2021 supposed to be down another 28%, right? It was down a little bit in 2020, but 
really down this year and down again expected another 6% to 74 cents a share next year. Why is that? Why do, why isn't the market expecting a better recovery? I think is the main question. And so I would be digging into that even though they're broadly diversified, do they have maybe big tenants uh, that are coming due that might cancel? I would I would be considering that. Another thing that worries me is the number of shares that they've issued. They continue to increase the number of shares uh, outstanding. Yes, that is used to probably buy properties and bring in more revenue, etc. But they've gone from 17 million shares outstanding in 2012 to 57 million trailing 12 months. In 2018, it was 48. So the number of shares outstanding has gone up almost 20% since 2018. So I would look at that. Is that something they're going to habitually do? Uh, and that's probably why they have a good amount of debt in their balance sheet, right? Is they're utilizing debt uh, and equity to finance that dividend. So, you know, I like some things about it. I like the location. I like the diversity. But I don't like the balance sheet. I don't like the habit of issuing shares and carrying a, lot, a ton of debt. Um, so, you know, that, those are the pros and cons. You know, overall, I'd give it, a little bit better than okay, uh, but certainly not my favorite type of REIT out there. Thanks for the call. That was AHH, and the name of that company is Armada Hoffler Properties. Now, the next and best talk, this story. 10 alternatives to tapping your retirement accounts when you need cash now. Financial emergencies can happen to anyone, but when you pull cash from your retirement accounts, you're missing out on a market opportunity. Steve will get to that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? I'm calling to ask your opinion on an ETF called XLI. And the question is, during a market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady? And I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? 
The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bobby in Atlanta. He's looking at Unilever. Hey, Justin. How are you doing? Doing well. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Well, I own some, and I was okay. thinking to buy more. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, Unilever is one of those companies that just prints cash. It's free cash flow and operating cash flow just continues to power higher. One of the better run global companies uh, in the world. You know, it's just an environment right now. I talked about this a little bit yesterday with healthcare and utilities being the type of sectors that underperform when uh, the economy is strengthening, when the interest rates are rising, uh, and consumer staples are in that basket. And this is what Unilever is. It's the quintessential uh, consumer. Now, this is down about 15% from its 52-week high, uh, and I think into some pretty major support. If you look on the, the monthly chart, you'll see that it just hit the, uh, it's getting close to the 100-month moving average, which is big support. That's probably closer to the 55 level. Uh, it's at 57, or sorry, 54, 35, and now, um, yeah, so, so sorry, the 50 level is that support. So it's getting there. Earnings are, although are expected to drop 3% this year to $2.98, they're supposed to go up to 5% next year to $3.14. And $142 billion market cap, pretty much no debt on its balance sheet. Uh, In fact, there's net cash, net $7 billion in cash just sitting on its balance sheet. Uh, So I I really like this this business. And if you're a long-term kind of buy and holder, you're just collecting that nice uh, 3.4% dividend, I would just honestly be picking it up on dips. Uh, But you have to be a long-term holder because near-term, this is not likely to break out to the upside, but it's a good time to start accumulating it. Thanks for the call, Bobby. That was UL Unilever. Now, my focus point today concerns the story why it might be a big mistake to file your taxes, or your 2020 taxes, before the stimulus package checks go out. Now, we know that lawmakers are negotiating the third stimulus package, a third round of payments going out to Americans, and the proposal is to send $1,400, that's on top of the 600 from the end of last year, and they're kind of jockeying over what the earnings cap will be. Originally it was 50000 for individuals and 100000 for married couples, and I'll tell you this, me living in Southern California, that's not a lot, you know. If you're making, say, sixty thousand individual, you're you're struggling, right? Uh, so I think that's why they've tried to push the cap up to seventy-five to one hundred fifty thousand, right? Seventy-five for a sing if you're single, one hundred fifty if you are married. Now, what the final number will be is still yet to be determined, but they're likely to use either your 2019 or 2020 tax return. So if you haven't filed your 2020 tax return yet, they're going to use 2019. So if you did worse in 2020, you should be in a hurry to file those taxes before they start to figure out whether you are in one basket or the other. So the opposite is also true. If you did better in 2020 versus 2019, maybe, and there's certainly people like that, right? We know it's been kind of a K-shaped recovery. 
those in the lower income levels, which, which granted this kind of covers, they've probably done worse in 2020 more often than, than not. But you in particular, that might not be the case. You might still be on that lower income threshold, but did better in 2020. And therefore, you should probably wait a bit. Now, this is leading to a few accounting games as well. For example, if you're divorced, you have children. One spouse could claim the child in 2019 and the other in 2020 and file at different times. So that it looks, you know, because there's, there's likely to be a tax, a child tax credit on top of this as well. So this is definitely a good time to be consulting with some sort of tax professional, CPA, uh, tax professional that will guide you in this time when there's a lot of government stimulus that's coming down the pipe that you want to make sure that you get and you don't want to be eliminated from it just by making one bad move. So just be aware of that and it's going to be interesting to see what that final bill looks like. should come out sometime within the next month. Now Steve and I are always happy to take your calls live during the program's web stream and radio broadcast, but you can also call anytime, 24-7, and leave a voicemail question. Please pass that info on to your friends and family as well. Now, we've got a good pace going, so let's get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888-99 chart. Hi, my name's Heather. I'm from Portland, and I have a question about paying on a loan. I have a used car loan that's a fairly new loan. I owe 24,000 on it and interest is 2.9. I also have a HELOC with interest at 3.5 and I owe 84,000. I'm wondering if I should transfer my car loan into my HELOC and then make large payments on that or if I should keep them separate and then which one should I concentrate the larger payments on? I look forward to listening to your answer on your show. Thank you. I definitely would say the HELOC. And I would not try to combine them. You're getting a lower rate on that car loan. So keep that. And although that's a bigger balance, HELOCs are dangerous. You know, they will adjust in the future. So 3.5% now, typically they're five years where they don't adjust. And then after five, they adjust higher. That was part of the financial crisis before. Is a lot of people were taking out HELOCs and then having that uh, adjust higher. So I would definitely... Work on that HELOC. Try to get that paid down as quickly as possible. Not only are you paying on a, on a mortgage or, or a loan that's higher interest rate, but you're trying to get that down as low as possible before that ultimate adjustment higher and where you have to pay the full amount, not just the interest only as well. So work on that first. Let's go to Terry and Modesto looking at Sally Beauty Holdings. Yeah, hello? Yes. Justin? You're looking at Sally Beauty? Yeah. Um, I got a question. I was looking at the chart, and I thought one of the things you said in one of your previous callers, uh, you opened up the, a five-year chart. And so when I looked at it, it looks like a sloppy head and shoulders, upside-down head and shoulders pattern. But I guess my question is, if it is a head and shoulders pattern, what do I expect? from this pattern going forward. 
Well, I don't see what pattern you're speaking of with the head and shoulder. Yes, I guess I kind of see it. The head back in 2000, 2005 time frame. Then you had a big drop in 2006, it looks like. And a little rally since. I mean, if, if this plays out, which it hasn't triggered, it would go bankrupt, right? So, but, but you can't trade off a what if it goes to this level and then it would trigger that pattern. You don't trade on the what ifs, right? You, maybe if that happens, you can start thinking about placing a trade. But you don't say, oh, well, it looks like it's forming a head and shoulders pattern. So, there's thousands of, of head and shoulders patterns that look like they're on their way to triggering, Right? If you understand charting, you have to break below the neckline uh, just because it looks like, oh, if it does break below the neckline, it would be a head and shoulders trigger. You don't trade on that because you don't know if it's actually going to happen. Okay, So don't okay. trade on what ifs or maybe this might happen. No. I would look at the merits of the shorter term chart, uh, the fundamentals of the business, and you know, Sally Beauty... While their business is not fantastic, it's not falling off a cliff by any means. They're still expected to make this year the same money that they did back in 2017, and that was when it was trading uh, in the mid-20s. And so, yeah, they have a decent amount of debt. Uh, they have their, their problems. But uh, to me, I'm more bullish on this name than bearish. So thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. We have passed the 917,000 download mark in the month of January, and we're likely to pass, you know, this is a short month, so we'll probably pass uh, that million mark next month, but we appreciate all of our listeners all around the world, whether you're listening in Switzerland, Canada, Thailand, Afghanistan, wherever you are, we appreciate your fandom and spending time with us as often as you can and telling your friends and family members about our free investing podcast. Please keep the calls, questions, and emails coming in. We love them all, and we love helping you. And, of course, you're welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We would love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. You'll get targeted value, formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. I am concerned about the strength of the dollar, the devaluation, and wonder if you have any advice as to how to hedge for that? What kind of investment, ADRs, or what is it that I can do? Thank you. Well, I feel your concern, and the dollar does continue to 
go down and, and lose value in relation to other currencies. And that's something you always have to remember as well, is that when you look at the dollar value, it's in relation to other types of currencies. Now, longer term, I do think we have an issue, especially if we continue on with, uh, you can call it Project Zimbabwe, I think it's a good way to put it, right, where we're just kind of printing money and spending it. Uh, the bigger question is, will it be efficient? Will that money be spent to build longer-term strength in our economy or just paper over some cracks? But that's something for a later day. You know, near-term, you have to focus more on what is the impact to your portfolio. Now, a weak dollar is beneficial to certain areas of the economy, now, you could invest in foreign currencies, euro, yen, etc. Invest in companies that either operate overseas or derive the majority of their revenue from overseas. That's one way you can do it. Maybe it's crypto. You know, that's one of the reasons why crypto is having its surge. Because people are losing faith in the reserve status of the dollar. Part of it's speculation, but part of it is that loss of faith. So commodities are also a good asset class in a time when dollars getting weaker and more money is chasing after fewer goods. And those Commodities are going into the things that either the government is mandating, spending money on, or people are simply spending money on. So commodities tend to be very good as well. So all those exposures will help hedge against a falling dollar. Now understand that dollar won't go straight down, even though it's been pretty anemic since COVID started. Any rally has been met with selling hasn't been able to get any technical strength, doesn't mean you won't have counter-trend rallies. Understand that. Even though positioning is extreme, you definitely have a counter-trend rally. Thanks for the call. Great question. I'm sure that's on the minds of many investors. Now, let's touch on financial habits. And we know that we should be doing a lot of things, right? Saving for retirement, paying off debt, limiting our spending and in order to make those mantras a reality and build a good financial future you have to build good financial habits and healthy financial habits now habits are often things that we do automatically and we do them because we know they're good for us and they help combat the decision-making process, right? The more you have to think about a decision, the less likely you're going to make the right decision. It's like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth. You know, you're supposed to brush teeth. You don't have to think about it. You know, that's part of your morning routine and maybe that's showering, whatever you're doing to uh, do day to day. But developing the right financial habits will help make those decisions easier. 
So after the break, I'm going to kind of go over how to build these good financial habits into your life. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, before the break, I was talking about creating good financial habits. And when it comes to building these habits, when the more complex you make a particular behavior, the harder it is to keep. So while there's a lot of rules, like I said before, of saving up for a big purchase or pay down debt when, in full when possible, having an emergency fund, these rules of thumb need to fit your lifestyle. And those are the best types of rules of thumb that can you can help build towards a financial future. You cannot depend on self-control itself. Right? So what you have to do is build in kind of cues that force you to act consistently. For example, I'm going to transfer X amount into my IRA or my savings account on the first of every month, right? Or every other paycheck on that Friday, I'm gonna move X amount into this bank account. You can even make it automated, a lot like a 401k. One of the reasons why 401ks have been so successful throughout the years is because they're automatic. You don't think about it. So if you can replicate that automation into your life and make automatic transfers, that's something we do for clients. We have clients who, on the first of every month, they put $500 and we connect their bank account to their brokerage account at TD Ameritrade, it's our broker, and the money just transfers from their bank account to their IRA, $5,000 every month, you get to that $6,000 full for the entire year, and boom, done. You don't think about it. It's automatic. You know, it's like if you're trying to cut out bad food from your diet, just throw out all the bad food in your pantry or in your fridge or in your freezer. Don't even give yourself a chance to eat that bad food. Don't give yourself a chance to spend that money you shouldn't. And then next up creates incentives to encourage, right? Which is say, hey, once I've saved X amount of dollars, I'm going to go out and I'm going to treat myself to something. Right. Maybe that's a new outfit, new pair of shoes, uh, maybe it's just a Starbucks Frappuccino, whatever it is, to reinforce that good behavior. Say, hey, I can enjoy myself from time to time. So make sure you're shaping your environment for success and implement encouraging rewards, and this will lead to good repetition. Let's go to Emily and Marietta wants to talk about Tesla. Hi, yeah, I have um, some Tesla shares that were gifted to my husband um, years ago when he worked for them. Um, obviously, it's grown quite a bit over the past year or so. 
And I'm curious what your thoughts are on keeping those invested there or cashing those out and investing in some other areas um, and kind of what your thoughts on that are. Well, the first question I have to ask is what percentage of your total investable assets are in Tesla shares? Um, I would probably say it's very minimal. It's maybe like 5% overall. Okay. So you're not too overexposed. That's the first thing to think about. The second is obviously valuation on Tesla is extremely high. Uh, it's, if it was trading at multiples similar to other car makers, it would be trading at closer to $80 a share versus $800 a share. So understand that. Uh, they were the, Tesla was one of the first stocks that the Reddit traders and the Wall Street bets people started to target the short sellers and implement a gamma squeeze to push the shares higher. That's, that's a big reason why the shares are where it's at. Now, as we've seen with GameStop, that creates a lot of reflexivity, uh, but that reflexivity bo cuts both ways, where if it does start to enter into a downtrend, suddenly that gamma squeeze goes the other way. It actually goes down. So understand the risks there. The valuation is very high. Now, could it continue to gamma squeeze higher? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, this is clearly a terrible time longer term to be investing in Tesla because the longer term growth prospects don't come close to the current share valuation, which is close to a trillion dollars. What's Tesla's valuation at? $780 billion. Just completely absurd. So I'm not a fan. I would absolutely sell them, but you have to understand kind of the pros and cons. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasen, I thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after we end our live stream broadcast, which ends at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And as always, you can listen on investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.